This is the Upreneur FM podcast, where each week we bring you the strategies and resources you need to build, market, and monetize a profitable, future-proof business around your knowledge and expertise. And now, here's your host, international business mentor and best-selling author, Chris Ducker. Ah, yes. Hello and welcome to episode number 395 of Upreneur FM. Oh, this is a good show. I don't want to set the bar too high here or anything, but this is a good show. We've got another special guest coming in with us for this episode. We're going to be talking all about how to be truly iconic. So I'm going to go a little old school here on you for a minute before we get into that. I don't know about you, but I think that we've lost our way a little bit. And bear with me here when I say this. Too many flashing lights, too many you know, episodes of squirrel syndrome kicking in. We look at what other people are doing when we think, oh, I want to do that. Or we look at this cool social media graphic and we're like, oh, that would look great on my profile, my grid, whatever it is. Too too, Too much just doing stuff all the time and not thinking about the fundamentals, not thinking about things like clarity and the importance of gaining that clarity and what it can mean in regards to the way that we communicate with our customers, how we pitch our products and services and all that fun stuff. This is why I know you are going to love this episode of the podcast. I sit down with the author of the best-selling book, Iconic, How to Attain, Sustain, Regain the Ultimate Level of Distinction. It's by a guy called Scott McCain. We are newly connected, but I instantly felt a, I don't know, like a like a kinship with this guy. Um, the way he talks about what he does for his customers and the goodness that he's putting out into the world in regards to actually teaching people not only how to build personal brands, because we're all doing that regardless of what industry we're in, really, but, but really zeroing in, really zeroing in on what it means to be truly iconic. Scott and I go through lots and lots of different examples of companies and individuals that are iconic, what they've done, how they've become known and and kind of respected as icons in their field, plus how you, the four-step process on how you can become more iconic in your work, in your industry, and with your customers um, at the core, at the center of everything that you do. So I really, truly uh, hope that you enjoy this uh, fantastic interview with Scott McCain. I know I did recording it. This is the Youpreneur FM podcast with Chris Ducker. So Scott, welcome to Youpreneur FM, man. It's good to have you. I appreciate it, Chris. Thank you. It's a real privilege to to be here and and be with you. Well, look, I mean, we have a mutual friend in JJ Virgin. Now, not only is JJ an extremely successful entrepreneur and personal brand powerhouse in her own right, I'm also scared of her Um, quite a bit, actually. (laughs) Um, She... (laughs) I don't. I mean, like, see, I've she, never admitted that in public, but I'm with you. Oh, I'm petrified of JJ Virgin. I've I've told her it to her face. Um, true story. I, I'll I'll tell you a little quick story right now, and you'll probably get a kick out of it, knowing the way you do as well. So, I'm at a I'm at a restaurant 
in San Diego. She's not even there. She's not even in San Diego. She's in, in Florida somewhere. And I'm sitting there opposite somebody who knows her. And JJ at the time was kind of working me through some of my nutritional changes that I wanted to do to kind of max out my performance a little bit. And so obviously carbohydrates were completely no-nos, right? Straight away. So the bread basket is there. This guy who I've now been saying to him, oh, you know, JJ, oh yeah, yeah. She's helped me with my nutritional stuff right now. He takes a photo of the bread basket in front of me. I didn't touch it. Okay. In this restaurant, he takes a photo of this, of this bread basket, sends it to her via text. Two seconds later, I'm getting a text from JJ Virgin on my phone saying, if you take one bite, I will kill you. <laughs> like, literally. So I'm scared. I'm scared of the woman, but she's amazing. And there you go. There's our mutual She is connection. amazing. And, and uh, you know, she's, she's just started being on a program and, and I'm, I'm down 12 pounds in three weeks and I've never felt better. And, uh, but, and yeah, it's because I'm terrified to tell her I screwed up. <laughs> I don't, oh, she, wanna, I don't want to mess this up. I tell right? you, we're, I'm no longer working with her kind of like legitimately day to day anymore um, because she, she sorted me right out. But at the time that I was, I was sending her my diet every day. Like, you know, I mean, she had me on a whole bunch of supplements and everything. I mean, she's amazing. She is, you know, a true expert youpreneur personified. Like she doesn't just know what she's talking about. She lives it every day. She's been involved in it for decades. I mean, if, you've, if you're going to learn how to do something like hack your body like that, you go to a true pro, right? Plain simple. Now, this leads me to you. And if you're going to learn how to be truly iconic, see how I worked that in there? I know you're going to like that. I love um, that. You go to a guy who's been iconic for a long, long time doing what he's been doing to the point where he's even written the book, right? Iconic, how to attain, sustain, and regain the ultimate level of distinction. Now, I'm a pretty old school guy, and I know kind of you're like that as well, which is why I kind of I'm turned on to what you're all about. What does it mean according to you, though, to be truly iconic? Because it's a word that gets thrown around quite a bit by sports commentators and, you know, movie companies and all the rest of it, right? Sure. Yeah, well, let me get just a little bit of background. I, I wrote a book called Create Distinction, and it was about what did it take to stand out in your respective marketplace? And what happened along the way was uh, two things. One, I realized I'd written a book about how to get there, but not a book about how to keep it once you'd attained that level. Right. Or, or what if, as what happens with some companies of all sizes, what happens if you lose that status? Can you ever get it back once you've, once you've stood out in the marketplace you know, how, how do you get it back? So that that was going on. And then I had a couple of clients. That, matter of fact, one in particular, I was having lunch with uh, an executive with Fairmont Hotels. And they had gone through the distinction process. And they said, what's next? And I, I was kind of at a loss, to Good tell you the truth. And just <laughs> off the top of his head, the, the executive said, well, next we'll become iconic. And I mean, it was like, you know, the clouds parted and the light bulb went on over my head and 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 that. So it really generated from a conversation. And, and the more I got into it, what I realized is distinctive means that you stand out within your category. It, it means that you are the, the obvious choice at what you do. Mm. Iconic means that you are so good at what you do, you become a model of excellence and distinction that crosses categories. 
So there would be a point, and, and, and these are awfully overused and old examples, but, but, but they work universally. You know, Apple for a period of time was distinctive because they, they were different in terms of laptops or computers. I don't think anybody would argue now that they're iconic. There are certain, but, but it can even work on the local level. I mean, I wish every medical office that I went to, I wish every office that I went to was managed like my doctor did back in Indiana. The, the personal way they took care of you, the way that's something that everybody ought to look at. There, there's a restaurant in my hometown of Indianapolis, uh, St. Elmo's Steakhouse, that, well, it, it, it's I'll give you an example of how iconic they are. The, the Stones on one of their tours did two nights in Indianapolis. Nobody could figure out, you know, LA got two nights, New York got two nights, Chicago, and Indiana. Why did Indianapolis get two nights of the Stones? And in Keith Richards' autobiography, he mentions they wanted to eat at St. Elmo's two nights instead. <laughs> I love that. That's instead so of what? good. Now, that's iconic, right? When the Stones are altering their tour so that they can eat at your place. But there, there are there are some like 13, uh, one just closed. So there's like 13 other steakhouses within an eight-block area. And St. Elmo's does the revenue that the other do combined. They, they do more than Tavern on the Green in New York City. And, and so every business in Indianapolis says, we need to run our business the way that St. Elmo's runs there, there. That's iconic. When you become so good at what you are, that you become an example for all of us to follow, regardless of, of what marketplace we're in. Yeah, and I mean, you know, to use a, a popular, um, you know, pop culture hero, iconic superstar, Michael Jordan. I don't think there's anybody around the world that doesn't really, you know, who's remotely looking at the internet or TV at some point over the last 20 years, doesn't know who Michael Jordan is. And you hear that, oh, you know, I'm going to be the Michael Jordan of speaking. I'm going to be the Michael Jordan of coaching or whatever it is, right? So he's clearly an iconic figure as well. Well, and, and to, you're exactly right. And if you think about it, there are things that you can model from Michael Jordan and his success, even if you don't play basketball, his personal discipline, his competitive nature, his singular focus, all of those things. Part of the reason he's iconic is there are certain aspects of, of what he did to get that way that we could apply regardless of whether we're playing basketball or, or being entrepreneurs. So you've really hit at the heart of it there, Chris. That's, that's exactly what we're talking about in terms of what are the things that iconic leaders and performers do that take them to the highest level. Now, one of the things I always say is if, if you're not standing out, your first goal is to be distinctive. Your, your first goal is to rise within your own category. It's hard to transcend your category if you're not leading or at the top of mm, your category. So mm, I like that's that. the first step. I, I don't mean to sound like, you know, the old, the old, math and logic professors in college, you know, you can be A, but not B, but, you know, so in other words, you could be distinctive and not be iconic, but you can't be iconic without being first distinctive. Totally. So that's, that's the first step for entrepreneurs is to, to, to stand out. And, and here's the problem that, that I see so often. And, and I know you see this all the time. I mean, the people, entrepreneurs typically are really good at doing what they do. They, they just don't know how to make what they do stand out in this hyper-competitive marketplace. Um, I, I was speaking a while back, and it was a group of, of folks that own auto repair shops. Everybody there got into the business because they loved cars and loved fixing cars. There wasn't a single person in that room 
that had taken any type of education in terms of how do I stand out from my competition? How do I, and they thought it was about fixing the car. Well, everybody can fix a car else you're not in business, right? I mean, you're, if you don't have that, that, that's table stakes. If you don't have that, then you're not in business. They were drawn into it, not because they wanted to be business people necessarily, certainly not because they wanted to deal with customers. They got into it because they like working on cars and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's what you do above and beyond that that separates you from the competition in the marketplace. In your book, this is good. I, I feel like we could go for a whole hour on this, um, <laughs> at least, right? Uh, and, and clearly with a steak and a, a good Merlot, now, now we're talking like oh, that. Sign me up. I'm there. <laughs> forget about it, as they say in New York. Okay, so um, yeah. in your book, you talk about the four cornerstones of distinction. I mean, we've dived on that term a little bit already, but can you break those down a little bit for us? Sure. And, and, and with this forward to it, um, the way I, people say, well, isn't distinction the same as differentiation? And to me, no, it's not. If, if I slap every customer in the face, I am different. <laughs> I mean, doing business with that'd me be, would be it. unique. <laughs> But no one would come back, right? So I see a lot of entrepreneurs saying, oh, I just need to be different without realizing it has to have some traction that's meaningful to your customer. And so that's how I'm defining distinctive, that you're creating space in the marketplace that is meaningful, that gets you repeat and referral business. So the, the four cornerstones begins with, and, it, and they really should be looked at in this order. Uh, the first one is clarity. Now, that, that sounds so simple. But yet my experience with, with the corporate world is it's the hardest one of all the four because clarity is not just about being precise about what you are. It, it's being just as exact and specific about what you are not. Mm. And, and I know in my early days as an entrepreneur, man, I thought the more things I could put out there, the greater the likelihood is customers would run into something that they'd want to do. That's so true. And the more, right, the more options that I offered then the greater the likelihood is I could attract customers. And what I found was through <laughs> difficult times, you know, nobody's loyal to a generic. Mm-hmm. Nobody's loyal to somebody that does everything. And, and I, I have yet to meet a customer that said, I love doing business with those guys. They're exactly like everybody else. <laughs> yep. I mean, we, we are noted for our differences, not, not our similarities. And, and that comes not only from what we are, but even perhaps more importantly, from what we are not. And, and it's really counterintuitive, but it's really challenging many times for entrepreneurs to, you know, to, to say to them, you, you got to give up some of the things that you're doing. Yeah, but I'm making, you know, 5% of my income from that. You're asking me to give up 5%. Of, no, I'm asking you to give up that 5%. So you become so distinctive, you make 25% in this, sure. this other area. So, Clarity works through that. There's an approach to it I call the high concept, which is a Hollywood term. Uh, you know, if I say bomb on a bus, you may think of the movie Speed. If I say shark attacks, you think of Jaws. You know, those are old classics. We do it with, you know, new movies, whatever it might be. But we have to be able to define our own businesses that precisely. Uh, is it a branding statement? Is it a marketing statement? For some groups, it is. For some groups, it is not. But it's being able to say, if someone says to you, what do you do that you are able to respond in a six-second phrase that makes the listener go, 
wow, tell me more about that. That's when we have gotten total clarity about what we can do when we can express it that, that quickly. So that's the beginning is getting that clear about what our space is in the marketplace. I love that. And the reason why I like it so much is I think clarity is probably one of the most unsimple things to try and figure out. So I'm glad you're calling on that as well. But what I love about it, and particularly as it's number one of these four cornerstones, is that it's about as foundationally important as anything else that we're going to do as an entrepreneur, particularly a youpreneur, somebody building a business based around their expertise, their personality, right? So, you know, if you're not clear on what you're all about, what you're going to do, how you're going to serve it up, who you're serving it up to, then, I mean, that, that you know, that, that lack of clarity is going to cost you not only in money, but also in time, which is we both know is our easily our most valuable commodity as entrepreneurs. Oh, oh so to, here's a, a quick story. Um, I've been a speaker for a number of years and man, things were, you know, there's a lot of things I disagree with in the book, good to great, but you got to admit, it's got a great opening line. Good is the enemy of great. I mean, that's, I love that. And I had a good business. I I had a good life. Um, Then tragically, my, my first wife developed ovarian cancer and passed away and, and we were left with seven figures of medical, I was left with seven figures of medical bills and, you know, I'd taken time off to be her, her caregiver. And so I had to get back. I mean, I, you know, I had to put on my big boy pants, go back to work. Right. I had to, yeah. I had to pay this off. I had to get out of this. And, and so I went to speakers bureaus, which were my number one relationship in terms of booking business. And I, I just, I asked him what I thought was a pretty easy question. When you recommend me to your clients, what do you say? Jeff Bezos has later said, your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. So I was trying to determine what my, you know, my personal brand was. And almost without exception, they said, a really good speaker and a really nice guy. <laughs> now, they thought that was good. And I thought, that's the kiss of death. You know, I mean, no, no <laughs> right. vice president of sales for a global company is going to say, hey, for this year's event, let's get a really nice guy. You know, I mean, that's that's not marketable. That, yeah. that, and so that's how all of this got started was I was trying to save my my own business and, and my own financial situation. And I started researching how did these organizations stand out? And it was really hard for me at that particular time to find any information about that. And, and then again, the blinding flash, the obvious was, gosh, if I can't find this, what's the likelihood that other folks building personal brands or building organizations, what, what's likely they couldn't either. And that's, that's how I first got into this. And, and I, one of the things, and I, I, I know you talk about this, the challenges that, that are there in creating a personal brand. Uh, one of the speakers bureaus I'll never forget called and the, and the guy was really upset because he really wanted the best for me. And he said, for goodness sake, Scott, no one calls asking for a speech on distinction. Could you talk about some traditional topic? And that was really one of the most important points in my career is when I decided, no, that's not what I do. Now, everything that's happened in my career is infinitely better than it was before that is because I had to get clear and I had to say, no, I don't talk about that. No, I haven't researched that. And, and that, was, that was what was so counterintuitive is that what I said no to made what I said yes to significantly more valuable. That's so huge. That's, that's the first. Thing. Yeah, the the, the fact Thanks. that you stood by 
what you knew you knew and what you wanted to get out into the world is huge. I love that. I love that story. That was a great story. Isn't that where, I mean, it's where you and I and everybody building what you do such wonderful work talking about. I mean, isn't that, there there is always going to be a point where we have to put our flag in the ground. Yes. And, and that is, that is a true, you know, Jan Carlson, the former late CEO of SAS used to talk about, you know, that being that moment of magic. That is that moment of magic that is really going to determine you know, what, what happens in the future for us, if we're willing to say, this is who we are and this is who we are not. And that's, that's why it's first. Okay. What's second? Second's creativity. And, and Chris, I got to tell you, when I, when I was doing the initial research, this is the one that surprised me the most, because I think traditionally we would think if we want to stand out, you start being creative, right? That would be the starting point. So here's what I did. I, I, I thought who, who makes their living based on creativity? And you'd think of the artists and all this. Well, at the at the time I was living in the States in Indianapolis. And so I thought songwriters, there's bunches of songwriters in Nashville, Tennessee. So I, I knew one. So she introduced me to others. And so I go down to Nashville and I interviewed about 15 songwriters asking them if your business depends on creativity. I, I thought I'd get creative tips on creativity. Every single one without exception said, oh, no, no. You have to get clear first, and then you get creative. If, if I'm writing a song, I've got to think, is this a ballad or is it up-tempo? Is it rock or pop or country? Is it going to be sung by a male, a female, or a group? I have to get clear in my mind the performance, and then I can get creative. And, and that was a real insight to me. Because we, we keep hearing folks say, oh, think outside the box, or all those, you know, tired old cliches about innovation and creativity. And, and what I found is if we aren't solid on the clarity part first, then it's hard to get creative at all. And, and so creativity is finding maybe just one simple tweak in how you do things that could set you apart. The, the example I use in the book is the Taylor family in St. Louis starting a rental car company. They're going to compete against Hertz and Avis if you think about that business, there's zero product variation. The, the Ford I get from Hertz is identical to the Ford Absolutely. I get from them, right? They can't differentiate the product at all. So, so they put up a list. They, they, they found 13 points of contact that a customer would have with their business. So they put it up on the wall and they looked at it and they said, okay, we're, gonna, we're just going to take one. We're going to turn one upside down. And, and many folks already, I'm, I'm sure that are watching and listening, know the Taylor family still owns that rental car business that they named Enterprise Rental Car. And the key for enterprise was just one simple thing. They, they pick you up, right? They, they said, what if we brought the car to you rather than making you go get the car? Now, here's the crazy thing. So Jeff Bezos says, hey, w- would that work in the book business? W- what if we got you the book rather than making you go to the bookstore? Then realizing that worked for everything with Amazon. <laughs> right. There is a dental office in Austin, Texas, that, is, that has built their dental office on a, on a trailer and it pulls into the cul-de-sac. And so you walk out of your house and the dental office is in your front yard and you, you, you don't have to go to the, they bring the dental office. That's to you. So incredible. I've never heard works. of anything like that before. That's fantastic. Is that fantastic? My, my wife and I got our, uh, uh, remarried and, and uh, my wife and I bought used bikes. We're going to be a little healthier this summer. Thank you, JJ. 
And, uh, <laughs> you know, they just need to be tweaked just a little bit, like tuned up. We found on Yelp, this guy who has this van and the, they bring the bike shop and park it in your driveway. And he did the entire tune up, did everything. So that's the same idea. So part of creativity is being derivative, but different. So in other words, how does, if, if Steve Jobs was to come back and run your personal brand rather than Apple, what, what would he do? If, if Amazon bought your business, how would they run it differently than you? It's, it, you, I, I think we tend to think of creativity and innovation as being chaotic and, and throwing the baby out with the bathwater and blowing everything mm-hmm. up. And man, I've got to do something. No, you just need that one little tweak within your clarity that can take it to the highest level. So you got to, I love this. Okay. So the clarity drives into the creativity, which then number three. Yeah. Okay. So now we've created something, you know, now we're clear about where we are. We've, we've, we've done our little tweak. Now we got to take that to the marketplace. So the third one is communication. And, you know, it, before COVID and, and all this, and I'm, you know, speaking to big audiences all over the world, uh, I, I would always start communication with, you know, a, a generational thing and how different generations are. And, and it was really cool because, you know, the baby boomers respond one way and, the, uh, you know, millennials and, and Gen Z respond in another. But then I would go, but everybody here, how many here have a Netflix account? Well, everybody raised their hand, right? So I, I'd say, so you know what I'm talking about when I say, it's midnight, but we can watch one more. And it didn't matter what generation, everybody laughed. And, you know, hell, it's 3 a.m. We better see how this thing ends. You know, because oh so, we've all been there because regardless of the generation, we are story junkies. We, we, we are addicted to narrative. And one of the things that I find with personal brands is that we, we love somebody else's story. But yet many times we run from our own uniqueness. We, we don't create and craft that narrative about our personal brand or, or we do it in the wrong way where we make ourselves the hero of our personal brand and that turns off the audience. I mean, if you think about great narrative and, and Joseph Campbell did the pioneering work on this with the hero's journey, mm. but if you think about it, nobody begins the good movie as a hero. Or if they do, then they lose it and it's their work to get it back. And, and, and what we want to know as customers of, of anybody's brand and particularly personal brands is that you get the struggle. You get the, the peaks and valleys, that there's a realness to it that, that the narrative captures because that's what we'll remember. So good. So yeah, the narr- the narrative of that is actually it, it's one of those things that we go back and forth with, even with our own story and our own background, quite a bit. And when I say our own, I mean my own. I mean I'm the face of Youpreneur. It is what it is. We built it up around my own personal brand. But ultimately, I've I've also seen that over the last maybe three years or so, Youpreneur has been around for five years. So over the last three years or so, I've actually noticed that the brand, as all good companies will do, will slowly but surely create their own narrative. And therefore, you know, like Amazon has, it's not all about Jeff, like Amazon has its own narrative now, right? right? So it's, it's one of those things that I think is incredibly, incredibly important to go back to. If you're not looking at that, I don't know, once a year, in a closed room with two or three of your closest people around you trying to pluck those dates and those wins and those, those, 
you know, those cornerstone type moments, um, you're missing the beat because you can be updating, you know, your social, you can be updating your story, you can be updating videos, you can be updating your, you know, your, your the actual stories that you tell and the narrative that you attract, that you attract. And so many people miss out on that. They, they, you know, they create these great looking about pages on their website and then they don't update them for five years and so much good stuff right. has happened in five years. They're missing it out yeah. on it all. Right. Oh, you're, it, what, what, you nailed it because see, at, at some point the customer's narrative becomes your own. Yes. The, hit, right? yes. the, the success that your customers have had, then that transcends your own narrative because the customer is always going to relate more to another customer's success than the entrepreneur of, of whatever size of, of, of their success. So when you can get to the point, the customer's narrative becomes your own, then, then that's, that's when you've nailed it with, with distinction. Um, quick, quick example uh, here in the States, uh, there were two guys sitting in a bar, Herb Kelleher, Roland King. Herb takes his bourbon off of a cocktail napkin, draws a triangle on the cocktail napkin, and at the points, he puts HDSA. That stands for Houston, Dallas, San Antonio. He turns to Roland King. He says, you know, if we had three planes and we flew them in this triangle and had a hell of a lot of fun on the flight, that'd be a great business. That is the story of the beginning of Southwest Airlines. Every person I've ever met that works for Southwest Airlines can tell you the story mm. of the cocktail napkin. Mm. There was a pilot uh, almost 100 years, uh, 90 years ago. His name was Leon Cutterback, and Leon Cutterback used to fly the mail from Pasco, Washington, uh, to, to Elko, Nevada. And then he realized there were people that wanted to go on that route too. So he started selling the extra seat on his plane. Then he realized he was making more money from the people than the parcels. So he bought a bigger plane, and he brew up a thermos of coffee, and and that was the beginning of United Airlines. <laughs> and I have yet to find a single person. At United, I told that story at a United meeting and I looked down and they were taking notes that they hadn't been told that. Uh -huh. So narrative also works internally. Your own people have to know the, the narrative. Why did you start this? What, yeah. what is the genesis of, you know, what was the idea or the frustration or whatever you had? Because if your own people don't know that, I mean, I need my team to know the story of why I studied distinction, because if they haven't bought into that narrative, how in the world do we expect our clients to? And, and if we don't do the example of telling that story, then, then how in the world do we expect our, our clients to, to get the emotional resonance and impact from that? So it, it's absolutely fundamentally critical to the success of any brand, especially your personal brand where it, it's your identity. Yeah. Yeah. And being able to communicate that in an effective manner that leaves people wanting to know more and ultimately end up doing business with you. Right. Um, we're, we jump to the end too often, don't we? I mean, you know, totally. like, Hey, uh, look, I did this, I'm successful and buy from me and you'll be successful too. Yes. But, you know, and, it, and it's not a good story. No, no, it's not. Okay. This is good. Wrap this up for us. Then the fourth, Cornerstone. Fourth one is a customer experience focus. And it's th th those are very intentional choices of words. It, it is a focus on the experience. It's a focus on how you, how, how are you making your customers feel mm. about doing business with you? Uh, it, it's, it's 
there, there are three levels of interaction that we have with customers. Level one is processing. It's what they have a right to expect because they're doing business with us. You know, I mean, it's, it, here's the other interesting thing. I'll ask companies, okay, where's your list of what customers have a right to expect? And a lot of particularly small businesses have never even made the list. I mean, that's what you have to execute every time. So if you're not doing that, nothing else matters. What's the list of what customers have a right to expect? Okay, now, how do we make that more efficient? That's customer service. We do it with a smile. We respond promptly. We are accurate in, our, in, in all that we do. But then you get to the highest level. It, and the highest level is the experience, right? It, it's how I make you feel about this because loyalty is based on emotion. Why would I be loyal to something towards which I have no feeling? Yeah. And, and so unless we create emotional connectivity with our customers, we're never going to get repeat business and referral business, which is the lifeblood of, of anything a youpreneur can be doing. Yeah. So it, that's what it focuses on is what does it take to create? We own the, the trademark on the term here in the States, the ultimate customer experience. And it's looking at what is the ultimate experience that a customer can have because they've engaged with us as opposed to the, the myriad of other opportunities that they have out there in the marketplace. So when you do those four, when you're clear about where you stand, when there's something creative about how you do it, when you've created this emotionally compelling story that you relate and communicate that, that customers grab onto and gravitate to and are attracted by, and you create this experience for them that is so compelling that they want to come back and do more business with you and bring their friends or their colleagues you, you've created distinction. Game over. Now, Absolutely. That's a very concise way of saying it, but it's it's breathtakingly difficult to execute. Yeah. And that's why we try to help and hold the hand of folks and, and get them there. But but that in a nutshell is what it takes. It, it, it reminds me of my very first and every other experience that I've had at a Disney park. Like, I mean, you know, some people are into Disney, some people are not. It's all good. You know, as a family guy, it's a little hard to avoid it. Um, but it's <laughs> God, frozen on bloody loop here. Yes, frozen. Yes, let, let it, it go. go right. Let it go. I wish it bloody would go. <laughs> right? But it's <laughs> what it is, is that what I love about Disney is I, okay, the first time we went to Disney, I complained we were there we were in the california park i complained all day the first day we were there for i think three nights four nights which still wasn't enough to, to see and do everything but i complained the entire first day 20 dollars, 30 bucks oh you know you get off the, the 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 ride and you go straight into a souvenir shop you know a gift shop and it's you know the the little things with the spray the water with the fan because it's so hot in california like they know how to make the money man at like 20 bucks and you've got to buy the water to fill it up and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, I, I just I just moaned, Scott, all day long. I just moaned and moaned and moaned about all the money I was spending. And at the end of the day, we went back to the hotel room and the kids just could not stop talking about how great it was. And they got to meet Donald Duck and they did this and they did that. And it was just, you know, I started crying. Just cry, I just cried. And every single time I've gone, I'll, I'll be in the middle of the Lion King show. with it, And you just... I don't even need to look at the stage. I'm looking at my kids and the look on their faces. I just cry. I cry every single, it's embarrassing. I cry every single time I go to a Disney park. I can't get away from it. It's that emotional connection that I have with my kids that they have with the experience that they're actually involved with. 
I just can't, I cannot physically stop myself. I get very emotional at Disney parks. And that's why I no longer moan about getting financially, you know, crippled every time I walk through the park. But it's okay. I'll make some more money. I'll do some that's coaching or something. I'll make some money. <laughs> that's such a great it, And, you know, two things popped in my head when you were saying that. Number one is, and there will be a time that your kids will take their kids to Disney. Oh, yeah. So that they not only can share the experience that they had, but also I'm certain your kids have observed how meaningful the experience is oh, yeah. for you. Yeah. So they'll want their kids to have that experience, but also they want to, now that their parents, they'll want to have the feeling that they saw their, their parents have, you know, and, and that's the thing, these experiences. And, and I've had people say, well, you know, you can't feel that way about my business, whatever. And it doesn't matter what, it, really, I, I've seen it happen literally in for real estate agents, for doctors, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for financial advisors, for authors, for, I mean, it can happen in any and every business. If absolutely, if we understand that that's, that's where we want to go. I, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it in my business. I've gotten off the stage. Yeah. I talked about Zig Ziglar on stage uh, and told a story uh, about how, how I found Zig as a teenager here in the UK and you know, all that sort of stuff. I won't go into the story now, but I told this story and, and, and um, uh, Zig was very famous for thrown out. He had these little kind of, uh, you know, casino chips made, which he called his round to it. Now you probably know about it. Round a lot of Americans it, yeah. of our age group will know about that. Um, and the, you know, cause he hated procrastination. I'll get around to it. I'll do it when I get around to it. So we had these little things made and you know, he had this whole thing, you know, this is around to it, blah, 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 blah. And uh, this elderly gentleman that was in my talk, must have been in his late 70s, comes up to me with a piece of paper that he had kind of quite crudely shaped into a circle. And he just had the word to it, T-U-I-T, which was the way that uh, yeah. Zig spelt it. He just came up to me yeah. and he gave it to me and he just said to me, you made my year hearing that story about you and how you discovered Zig Ziglar. Wow. He was my mentor. I want to give you this. And it was just this piece of paper with the word to it written in ball pen on it. Yeah. And we just hugged me and this older dude. We just, yeah. we'd never met before. I can't remember his name now, but we just hugged. And I, I carried that piece of paper with me actually for weeks and weeks and weeks yeah. after I met that guy. And that, that's it. It's that emotional connection that you have. And it, it, it can happen in any and every business. I'm curious to know to wrap up. Tell us one story that where it's happened to you, where you've had that personal connection, that emotional connection with a company or a, or a person. Oh gosh, what what a great question! You know, I I think about my, my wife and I, I. I had a goal, and and a, a goal of mine was with my little business. A goal of mine was to have a Mercedes, but at, on my thirtieth birthday. You know, that I, not, not a big one, you know, you can get the small, but, but just, I, I, I wanted to have that level of, so we're, we're driving to, to get, to lease the car and we drive by the, you got to drive by the BMW dealership to, to get to the Mercedes dealership, in Minneapolis. And my wife says, well, you know, if we're out anyway, let, let's go take a look. So we, we go in and I meet the salesman. His name was Carl Nielsen. And we said, we were literally on our way to go buy the Mercedes, but we just thought we would stop here. And his eyes light up. He says, oh, Mercedes is a great car. 
so tell me what you're looking for. And, uh, you know, I'm 30 years old. I want to go fast and look cool. You know I mean? That's my <laughs> yeah. goal in life. Yeah. And he said, well, he said, no, I'm, I want to take you for a ride in the three series. And he said, I'm a, and he told me where Mercedes was superior, but he said, but if you like this and his engagement and his, pa- and then we get back and he, he said, Hey, come go with me. And he takes in the service department. He says, this is bill. Now bill's going to be your service person but you don't make an appointment with Bill. You call me and I'll make the appointment with Bill. And he became our concierge, right? Now, he wasn't a, he, he said, I got to, we, so we bought the, buy, we buy the three. Series. Buy the car, we, right. We, yeah. We did, right. I mean, you know, and I, I, I've said forever, we didn't buy the car. We bought Carl, mm. right? I mean, we just, he, he just engaged us in it. And it wasn't, oh, you know, Mercedes is nothing compared to our product. It was, oh, gosh, that's a great car. But what do you, you know, and he just created such an incredible emotional experience. And we got an anniversary card from him. Well, oh, wait a minute. It's not our anniversary. And we called this uh, Carl, you know, he said, no, it's the anniversary when you bought the car. He said, gosh, I'm so excited with it. And he. This is so good. I love this. We invited him to parties at our house. We invited. And so. When when people talk about the stereotypical car salesperson, I also think, but let me tell you what a professional does. Mm-hmm. And so in in the states, there's some tax advantages of leasing. So you know, I'm I'm rotating the car every three years. My wife buys a car, and and so like we bought so many cars from this guy, and it. <laughs> It was because of the experience that he created. He's not a salesperson. He's a friend. He's my transportation consultant. Right. He, he's he's my car guru. Uh, when I'm living now in Las Vegas, and I was still calling Carl to get his advice on you know which options that even though I wasn't even living where I, we bought a car there, I flew to Indy and drove it to Vegas rather than buy it here mm. so that I, uh, there you go. There I mean, go. that's, that's the experience. That's right what there. it's about. Yeah. It's the experience. It, 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 and, and people would say, well, it's, you know, it, it, it's other things. No, did I get the best price? I, I got a good price. I got a fair price. Could I have saved a hundred bucks somewhere? I don't know, but just like at Disney, I had such a great experience. The hundred dollars is irrelevant. Totally. It's, it's the experience. And, and I can, I can name it just right now. I'm thinking about 10 people that bought cars from Carl simply because yep. <laughs> for no other reason than to get me to shut up Yeah. You know, because I was like, you can't believe this guy's so great. So yeah, it's, it, it happens through the experience and it doesn't matter what it is. And see, to me, it's, it's, most businesses miss this. I wasn't buying as I wasn't buying necessarily a BMW. I wasn't buying necessarily from the dealership. I'm invested in Carl. Yeah. And when people buy from people, that's one of the things that drives me crazy is when I hear that line, Oh, it's just business. It's not personal. No, it's everything's personal. And when we make it personal, then we create the kind of engagement that, that every business wants. Every business wants somebody to feel the way that you about them, the way that you feel about Disney, yeah. the way that I feel about Carl Nielsen. 
that's that should be the goal of every business. Uh, my definition of business is when you when you profitably create experiences that are so compelling to customers, their loyalty becomes assured. That's the purpose of business is to properly create experiences so compelling to customers, their loyalty becomes assured. When we do that, we've got nothing to worry about. Our brand grows. We grow. Our profitability grows. If if we put that ahead of our own ego or our product or being defensive in a marketplace, and we do what it takes to create distinction. I love this. This has been such a great conversation, Scott, genuinely. Oh, Chris, thank um, you. It's my privilege. You guys have... And dude, honestly, I love like what you do, and I'm I'm honored to be here. A whole bunch of people that come on the show, you know, I know them personally. I've known them for a long time. I've broken bread. I visited, you know, play with their kids, you know, whatever it is. We've never met in person before, but I can quintessentially say right now, I cannot wait for it to happen because I think not only we're going to do all those things, but we're going to have a lot of fun doing it too. We absolutely. Are. I can't wait. I, <laughs> when this when this coronavirus thing is gone, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm flying to the UK. Or you when need to get to Vegas. We got to make this happen soon, uh, my friend. Oh, I'm, so I'm cool. coming to you. I'm coming to Vegas. I'm doing the Vegas thing okay. for about the twentieth time. I'm coming there. Um, okay, guys, for you guys tuning in, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Scott. As you know, we don't do a lot of interviews on the show, but they are slowly starting to come back. This was a great one. ScottMcCain.com for everything Scott. Links to that and everything else in the show notes over at youpreneur.com forward slash three nine five. Scott, thank you once again, brother. It was really good to chat with you. Thanks. A real privilege, Chris. Thanks so much. All right. We'll be back at you again next week with another episode of Youpreneur FM, your number one slot in the week to learn how to build the business of you. We'll be back at you then. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Youpreneur FM. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, why not head over to our official website at youpreneur.com to access all our tools and resources essential to building, marketing, and monetizing a future-proof business based around your expertise. We'll see you next time.